Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Women in Confidence. Alison Hall is joining me today, and just let me tell you a little bit about Alison before she comes on. So she is the founder of Change Agent Coaching for Women, which she founded after a 25-year career in corporate strategy and finance. She has a passion for entrepreneurship and has set up a series of successful businesses, which I hope I find out about in this recording. Through Change Agent Coaching, she is able to share her financial and business development expertise with women who are navigating through major life changes, such as a divorce or a career upheaval. Her mission is to empower women to reinvent themselves and create the lives they dream of and they deserve. So you sound like a perfect guest to Women in Confidence. So Alison, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and we should say that um, Alison is coming from Atlanta. So she is on Tuesday and I'm on Wednesday. So I don't know, I get the most excited about this time differences, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm wrapping up and you're just getting started for the day. (laughs) Absolutely. And I've got my coffee here as well, which is a standard for my podcast. So I'll be slurping away throughout. So Alison, as I like to get warmed up into our conversation about confidence, can you answer this question for me? What does confidence mean to you? Yeah. You know, that's such a great question. I think confidence to me, confidence is knowing that you are, that you can meet challenges and succeed because you have a, you have an excellent sense of self, which is really just based on experience. And, you know, I think of confidence as the, it goes hand in hand with resilience, you know, Without life experience, you don't gain confidence. And without that comp, gain resilience. And then resilience is directly related to hope and then just continuing to do things. So I think it's the basis for everything. Otherwise, we just stay in bed. (laughs) You talked about knowing you can succeed. So when I was researching for this episode, Alison, I looked at some of the businesses you set up and they're quite, you know, there's a breadth there, isn't there? There's not, you just stick in one lane, you know, you've done fitness, logistics, real estate investment, uh, divorce mediation, uh, and litigation support, and now coaching. When you've set up those businesses, did you think at the time, I have the confidence to succeed, or this business will succeed? I think it's a combination. I have to be honest and say that I haven't done anything on a whim. I didn't just pick something and just go flying out the door without the experience. I'm an over-preparer. I don't base from knowing that I know how to do something. So when I went off to become a trainer, I hadn't done it before, but I had, you know, been athletic all my life and I, I got a certification. So. I gained confidence from the knowledge that I could do it. And everything else I did, I gained certifications for just about everything. So yeah, it wasn't going off on a whim or anything, but, but my, I have such wide ranging interests and I think a lot of people do. And sometimes you feel as if you're just flitting from thing to thing. But I think if, you know, there's a difference between digging in five feet and digging in 500 feet, you know, I like to dig into things. You talked about wide ranging interests. Do you still have a desire to set up a different business? So I know you've got your change agent coaching. Do you think that's it? Or do you think you'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll do something else as well? No, I'll, I'll do something else. I'm already working on something else. Oh, wow. Although it, it, it's, <laughs> it's related. You know, I love partnerships with people. Um, so I'm entering into a partnership with a friend of mine who's a psychologist. And we have some ideas about how we, we're always referring 
clients to one another because sometimes you need coaching and sometimes you need therapy. And so we're going to do some things together, some educational programs together, just because that seems exciting and it's a good synergy. But yeah, I think, I don't think I will continue to, to do things that are wildly different. I think what I'll do probably going forward is parlay off of things that I've already done, but I love to learn new things. I, I think it would, would be bored if I was just sedentary. What is the one skill then that you would love to learn? Well, one skill that I wanted to learn, and I think I mentioned this to you, is that I don't consider myself to be a great public speaker. And so I decided one of the best and easiest ways to kind of get better at it would be to go on podcasts. You know, you're not necessarily, you're in front of a screen, but you're not on a stage. There's a, you know, a comfort level. So that's something that I, a skill that I really wanted to improve upon, but there's so many things. I mean, for instance, I got into the divorce business because I was a CPA and I just happened to read an article about, oh, wow, you know, people really need assistance with the financial end of divorce. So it's almost like anytime, if I see something that kind of relates to what I'm already doing, but I can parlay again off of what I'm doing now. That makes sense to me. There's all kind of making, earning a living though. Like, mm -hmm. you know, becoming a great surfer, uh, living in coastal, you know, all, all <laughs> sorts of things that, you know, I would really love to be, I've talked to so many people who are just world travelers and have no qualms with just upending themselves and going and doing things. I would love to be more like that ways that I would like to be that I'm not quite yet, but I'm working on it. But I guess with coaching and the amazing power of the internet, all you need is a, a computer and, and your surfboard. And you could be in Costa Rica doing your coaching in the morning and uh, surfing in the afternoon. It's exactly. a lifestyle that is achievable these days. Yeah. We have computers and mobile phones. It's certainly something that myself and my husband are aspiring to do is to travel more, but also take our work with us at the same time. So yeah, exactly. it's incredible. Yeah. And so let's talk about your, uh, your career. So 25 years in the corporate world, what did what you did do you do? Um, and sort of big companies that you worked for? Oh yeah. Okay. So 25 years of corporate America, I started out, you know, I, I got a graduate degree in accounting and finance and my family was just a professional family and I, I don't have any siblings. So my parents, it was just an expectation that I would go into either become an attorney, a doctor, or, you know, a business person. And my parents were the other two. So I picked business person. <laughs> so, you know, I, I started out kind of in the accounting world as a consultant, did the 60, 70 hour work week kind of things. And then I moved into banking and uh, investment management. And so that was really kind of my first real corporate job was in investment management. And then, you know, worked at a very large bank and I just moved into different roles. I was in audit, strategy, all sorts of different things. And then I decided to branch off and get into the entertainment industry. So I worked for a large Warner Brothers. So I worked for a large and it was interesting. But the thing, what got me out of corporate America was the fact that I think that it, when I was in banking and in the finance end of things, I really felt as if I was contributing to the world in some kind of small way. I think a lot of people get burnt out in corporate America. I was less burnt out than just sort of rusted out. I just didn't feel like I was particularly contributing any, anything useful. And then I just had ideas of things that I wanted to do. I didn't come from an entrepreneurial home life background, but you know, I'd been around enough people who had gone off to start businesses that I 
thought that it was something that I could do. So, you know, I, I don't regret any of the time that I spent in corporate America, but I just, it was almost like I just came to a certain point in my life where, okay, it's time to be a new person, time to reinvent. I love that you say rusted out rather than burnt out. I've never heard that before. It's brilliant. <laughs> but you can imagine, I mean, it's descriptive, isn't it? You just yeah, sort yeah. of, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. You, um, you said something about didn't feel like you were really contributing. or But when you were in banking, you did. But perhaps in other yeah. organization, you didn't. And I think... I'm seeing a movement of people either coming into businesses now because I still, I'm still hiring people into um, a business I work with, but also people of my generation have gone through their careers, you know, 25 years, for example, and thought, hang on a minute, am I really contributing? In terms of what you're doing now, do you feel that's a, your way of contributing and helping women? Absolutely. And I feel every time I get to help somebody in any of the things that I've done, I realized how much I was missing in the past, you know, having that kind of one-on-one -on -one first business. But I think there was some subconscious thing, some conscious thought that I had that I wanted to have one-on-one -on -one interactions with people, help somebody do something. Every, even children, little children feel great when they can help somebody. So I think it's a natural human endeavor and I get to do it every single day. And that's, it's just meaningful to me. It makes me want to get up in the morning. And that's what I talk to my clients about, you know, when, when they're trying to decide what they want to do next or how to reinvent or how to get over a transitional period. You know, what is it that gets you out of bed right now? Or what, or, you know, sometimes the opposite, what's keeping you in bed and such that you don't want to get out of bed, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I'm excited every single day and just happy to do what I do. And who doesn't love that? The ideal situation that you love what you yeah. do. We'll talk about change agent coaching then. How did it come to be? So from an idea through to you actually being the founder and it being a business, talk me through that journey. With the exception, with the exception of my first business, which is, you know, personal training firm, else has sort of been interconnected. I still do real estate investment, but I had a small firm, real estate investment firm. And one of the things I realized was that people, you know, certain populations of people needed help moving and transitioning and doing logistical things. So I created another branch of the business that handled that. Then a lot of my clients, because, you know, in the, in the real estate business, a lot of it's referral. A lot of my clients were referred to me by friends. A lot of my clients needed to sell their homes because they were getting divorced. So that's how I then got into the divorce business. I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting niche. Let me get a certification in that. At the same time, I got a certification in tax planning because people also needed that. So as I was working with people who were divorcing and helping them with the financial end of things, what I was also doing was helping them get themselves together post-divorce because, you know, nothing is ever the same after divorce unless it's a really high wealth uh, divorce with a lot of money and resources such that you end up having the same life. Typically, your life is going to change. So I was doing coaching without even realizing. And then I thought, well, I should kind of get a little more serious about this and get some certification and training in that regard. And then having done that, I realized that, you know, helping people with a divorce transition is similar to helping people with any other kind of transition. I generally work with women. And so it made sense to start a separate business that was helping women who were reinventing themselves as a result of whatever kind of transition they might be, you know, coming across, whether it's, 
you just have decided you want a new career and you want a new life and you just need somebody to help you kind of find your purpose and hone in on what you want to do, or if you've been downsized or again, divorce uh, as well. And it's all kinds of reasons why people want to coach. And in this day and age, as you're well aware, everybody, you know, everybody can justify having a coach to help them move on to the next transition. Can you just talk about the divorce and your experiences of working with women going through that? What do you, what did you find, particularly with the finances? And that's what I sort of want to focus on is what were your sort of learnings from that? So helping women go through divorce and the financial aspect of it. I guess what's your, what did you take away from that and what can you share as a piece of advice for anybody, any woman? Doesn't matter whether they're going to be in a, going through a divorce, but just generally around their finances. Yeah, just generally what I found, and it surprised me a little bit, maybe because I hadn't really thought about it that much. It surprised me a good number of women really weren't that in tune with their finances. And some of that was because, you know, when we're in a relationship, everybody has their roles. And sometimes that's not your role. You have other roles and your partner is managing the finances. So I was very surprised to find, but also I think some of the reason is because if you're getting divorced in the, if a divorce comes upon you and you weren't expecting it, you know, you don't really have time to get yourself organized and together. So that's what I found was that people just really weren't all that familiar, even if they were the people taking care of the finances, even if you're doing the bookkeeping, people didn't necessarily know certain things about their tax bracket or, um, how their 401k works and how they can get money out and when they can and cannot take money out. And if you've been married, well, at least in the United States, if you've been married for X period of time, then you're entitled to this percentage of your ex-spouse's uh, social security income, you know, things like that, that people just don't know. And I think to myself, if I hadn't gotten interested in this as a professional career, would I have known? I'm not sure, you know, I've been in the finance industry for a long time, so maybe, but generally speaking, I can understand why people don't, but that would be marital status. It would be just become extraordinarily familiar with the finances and don't ever let anyone else hold all of the purse strings. Yeah, you're right. I I wouldn't know any of that stuff, <laughs> like, you know, pensions and or 401k in the United States or super here in Australia or you know, social, I wouldn't know any of that at all. So um, maybe it's, I probably ought to get myself educated. Not that I'm planning a divorce. No, <laughs> but even if you're not, you just don't, you, you never yeah. know what, what's going to happen in life. And then you become a perfect other example that is not divorce related. My mother, who's well-educated, she's an, she was an attorney. I mean, she's obviously retired now, but when my father passed away, she had no clue whatsoever. I mean, I had to take over everything and she's very smart. But she hadn't touched any of it. And so she was completely in the dark. And it's kind of terrifying to be, if she hadn't had me, then she would have been at the mercy of a stranger, you know, some investment banker or something like that. So it doesn't take a lot to get yourself organized and, and just understand it all. So it's well worth it. So with the with your business, so Change Agent Coaching, what sort of women come to you, Alison? And what are the, I don't want to use the word problems, but what are they seeking by coming to you? Yeah. I, it's it typically not problems. I, I, I don't even look at it like that. Sometimes we could call it challenges, but most of the women that I work with really have already made the decision that they, there's something they want to change about their life. Similar to what I was talking about with myself. They want more fulfillment, uh, some sense of purpose. Not that they haven't had purpose before, but maybe 
when your children get older, you know, some of your purpose changes, you had focused on them considerably, or like me, you become less and less interested in the career that you have. But most of us, not all of us, but most of us will probably work in some regard for years and years to come. So it's typically people in their women in their mid forties, fifties, even sixties, who are just looking to make change. But it's not always easy making change on your own with just your family and your close friends because they have an impression of who you are and the story that's written for you. And so coming to somebody who's objective but supportive and knowledgeable but is also going to push you along can be helpful. And what's your process? How do you uh, work with your clients? Typically, we start by just trying to figure out where you are. Because again, it's everybody, it's your story that is where you start. So are you just getting over or trying to get over some transitional challenge and you're just in survival mode? You're still kind of fear-based, maybe blaming, depending on what the circumstances are. Or have you, you know, moved along the continuum and now you're more in the thriving zone and you're really getting, you know, you're ready to take the bull by the horns and do all the things. So just kind of figure out where people are. Then then we start talking about what is your story? And by story, I mean, what is the story that if you're talking to people, what's the story that you tell about yourself? You know, it's almost like you're not a pitch, but your elevator talk. What are the stories that you continue to repeat to friends and family and the ones that you tell in your head? Because that dictates how we're going to move forward. We all have negative things in our head, but the amount of that is kind of determines what direction you're going to take. What goes on in your head is what goes on in your life, right? So that's kind of where we start. And we go on from there. I mean, I bore you with all the all the details, but we do a lot of exercises to try to understand where you are now. But then it's it becomes creative and fun, like talking about where you want to be, using your imagination, envisioning yourself however many years from now. I and mean, we've all kind of done that, but doing it in a more formal way where it's kind of written down and you get to look at it. It's a lot of fun because I think we tend to limit ourselves so much by thinking about our shoulds. And, you know, a lot of times through our, our lives, especially if you're a caretaker or whatever, we do have shoulds. There are things we have to do, you know, if you, we've taken on responsibilities. So it can be difficult to just burst out of that and just be creative. So it's a lot of fun to think about all the things that you could potentially do. So we just go on from there. And eventually, you know, we get to the point of goal setting and taking bite-sized bits of of goals so that you can get a sense of accomplishment and build up confidence. Yeah, you know, the process kind of goes on like that. And it just everybody's unique. I don't do group coaching because I really, really like working one-on-one with people. It's just fun. And I I don't have anything against group coaching. I think it's fantastic. But for me, I like to have that feeling of interconnectedness with one person at a time. I really like what you said about coach, the fact that you can set your vision, but with the coach or with you, it's a formal process. Because I think you can go, you know, you can go to a shop and buy a journal and write your goals down. And then never look at it again. But I right. think with the coaching process, it's very formal. It's verbalized. You've shared it with somebody already. And the coach is your accountability partner. It's the person who's like, hey, Vanessa, where are you with this? We, you know, we talked about it a month ago. What's happened type thing. Do you exactly. see yourself in that role as the accountability partner? I do. and I, But I think that people often think that I'm going to be more of an accountability partner. It's really just asking you because... 
because it's your vision. It's your dream. It's not mine. It's not me to push you down the road. It's for me to ask you, is this still, you know, because my thought is, is that if, if you're not doing something, there's a reason. If you said that you wanted to do something, you're not doing something. There's a reason. Maybe it's fear-based. Maybe it's, you know, there's pushback in the family unit. There's myriad reasons. So it's really my job to try to find out why you're not doing it. Or maybe it has just become not as important to you. You're not married to any one thing. You do need to pick a path and try to stick with it long enough to be able to evaluate whether or not it is the right path. But if you decide to change your mind, that's fine. It's not for me to drag you down that path, but I will ask you why we're not on that path. Somebody said to me the other day that most decisions that are made are fear-based or maybe even the lack of decisions that are based on fear. Do you mm-hmm. believe that to be true? I think a lot of decisions are based on fear. Absolutely. Yes. I think, you know, there are a lot of buzzwords and terms, but self-limiting beliefs and all that sort of thing. I think, you know, fears is a, is a thing that I look at as it's supposed to protect us, right? So it's a safety mechanism, but it's like putting your hand on, on a stove or whatever, right? You put your hand on and you take your hand off. So fear in my mind is something to be used to alert you that opportunity, right? But if you make decisions solely out of fear and you're still in that fear-based kind of thing, again, fear is for safety. So anything born out of safety would be small, right? So if I'm on a boat I'm and the boat has a hole in it, I'm going to do the thing that's going to be least likely to sink the boat, right? I'm not going to be thinking big sky things like, well, maybe I'll put up a say. No, I'm just trying to sit quietly, right? So when you make decisions like that, you limit the opportunities for what you might end up doing. But if you can step away from fear and, and this is again, easier said than done. I mean, it takes work, but if you can step away from the fear and look at it objectively for what it is and look at the situation, the world can become your oyster in terms of options, right? But if it's only fear-based, yes, it's going to be, you know, smaller, tiny little options that aren't necessarily serving you, in my opinion. So you will have heard of the phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway. When was the last time you did something that you were fearing or you were like, "Mm, not sure about that? Every time I do a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) I hate to keep coming back to that. But yes, let's see. I like to try, I like to try new sporting activities. But I have a fear of heights and things. So the m- most recent thing I did was um, was the zip lining. Oh my goodness! So it's fun once you get going, but it's that sickening, terrifying kind of thing that I get just climbing up the steps. So that was definitely, yeah. Feel the fear, do it anyway, for <laughs> sure for me. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the fear of podcasting because I think you're doing a pretty good job right now, Alison. <laughs> well, <So>, thank you. <laughs> you. How are you convincing yourself then? What's your own personal process to convince yourself or to push through that fear and be on podcasts? I do a little kind of pep talk thing. Ask me something that I don't know something about because that's not that's not the reason you brought me on, not to, you know, gotcha me, right? <laughs> so I kind of, I continually try to look at it from that perspective. But, you know, my stomach gets tight and I, you know, have that hot flush feeling that we get when we're kind of nervous or whatever. But once I get talking, I get excited about the subject matter. And so I use that every experience that I have that's positive. I just kind of remind myself going forward, well, the last time it worked out. 
And really, isn't that true? Most things work out. If you're at least a little bit prepared, most things end up working out. I tend to over-prepare generally in life because I've found that that has served me well. But even if you're just halfway prepared, I, I feel as if most things work out at least okay. And that's good enough. So you said over-prepare and you talked a lot in the beginning of the show about your career and your achievements, which are phenomenal. Do you see yourself as a high achiever? You know, that's interesting. I don't really. No, that's not. That's definitely not. Yeah, that's in fact, if I could be fully honest, I've always thought of myself as a little bit of an underachiever. I always thought you can do better. You know, that's that's the constant negative thing that I have to overcome in my head. Come on, you can do better. I can hear it. It sounds just like that in my head. This little person in there. So I don't I've never thought of myself as an underachiever, particularly, but yeah, no. I just think that I get interested in something and then I go down a little wormhole until I do it. And then it's interesting in life, isn't it? You do something, you something that you're excited about and, and it's a challenge, and then you achieve it and you sit on your laurels for about six or seven minutes, and then you're thinking, Oh gosh, I'm kind of a slacker. I should I should get on it and do something else, right? Tell me somebody who you look at and you admire and you think, wow, they are not a slacker and you know they they are really achieving have you got a person you can think of yeah I mean there's all kinds of people I suppose I mean I love Michelle Obama I mean I just think she's so accomplished and she's just she's always so dignified and and just such a great role model generally for people any people I've also love a lot of sports people that that I admire because I know how much it takes to be the first, like, you know, the first female uh, race car driver or to be an excellent tennis player like Serena Williams or something like that. I mean, it just takes so much tenacity. So I, I admire people who do something to the exclusion of all else and then manage to achieve in other arenas, you know, like, like Serena Williams. I mean, she has multiple businesses. She does all kinds of things. Um, I admire Marie Forleo. She's somebody kind of in the in the coaching business that I think does a great job of marketing, but messaging and uh, interacting with people and educating. You know, so I admire that. There's a, there are a lot of people out there. And one thing I try to do is keep it in perspective, though, because I know that I can easily make myself feel badly. Like, gosh, these people are doing so much. You know, it's it's hard to keep in perspective, but do the best you can. Admire and carry on. And comparisonitis is quite crippling for many people. You know, we're talking about women in, in this in this podcast, but it, it can be very difficult to overcome the comparison that looking over there. And it's not jealousy, but it's just, it's more, I guess, jealousy, I always think is an external, whereas comparisonitis, as I call it, is an internal feeling. And it's very much, why am I not doing as well as them? Or why don't I have the thing, the thing and the thing and the thing? How do you, do you do you come across clients who do live in that world of comparing? Absolutely. And that's, um, I'm glad you things that clients that I work with that they don't even realize that they're struggling with. But when you hear people making comments about, well, when I was in, you know, in this job or whatever, this person did that and I could have done better, or you, you know, just constantly talking about, or my sister does this or my best friend does that. People do it all the time without even being aware of it. And I think that's one of those things and make, and 
tend to make decisions based on, unbeknownst to them, really, subconsciously making decisions based on comments and perspectives of other people. But one of the things that I like to say, and I, I believe this to be true, may not be 100% all the time true, but I believe that most of the time when people have an opinion about you and your life, it is coming from their perspective, but it really has more to do with them than it does with you. So I've had many conversations with women that I work with about why do you think that person feels that way? Because people are always saying, well, you know, I was talking to so-and-so and they said, blah, blah, blah. Are you letting that sink into your decision-making? Because we're all, we're all, we all suffer from comparisonitis to some degree, don't we? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm sure yeah. I get it all the time. Yeah. So how can people find you, Alison? Yeah. Um, my website is changeagentcoaching.com and I happily answer emails at Allison1L at changeagentcoaching.com. I'm also on I'm on LinkedIn if if you happen to be on there. But really, if you wanted to talk with me, you could just email me directly. And I put all those details in the show notes. So anybody is listening who's like, yeah, Alison's my lady. I want to go and talk to her. <laughs> um, I will put all those details in. So now, Alison, I, I tend to wrap my episodes up. I'm starting to wrap my episodes up just doing quick fire questions. And I sort of make them up. There's no, okay. I don't have a script. So <laughs> it's whatever comes into my head. But what I particularly like, and I'm going to settle on is you're baking a confidence cake. So you have to sort of go with it, the whole scenario. You're baking a confidence cake. What are the three ingredients you would put in? Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, experience, trust, and hope. Tell me about why you chose trust. I think you have to trust yourself, that your experience is your experience, not somebody else's, and that if you believe that you are capable, then you are. And so trust yourself. Tell me one book you've read that has changed your life. Oh, uh, Icky guy. Um, oh, yeah. I can't, let me think. Yeah, right. It changed my life in terms of perspective. Uh, I don't think it changed my life, you know, walking around, but the way I view the world, it, it has changed my life because it simplified things so much. I mean, you're familiar. So mm -hmm. just the concept of passion, purpose, and how you fit into the world. It's just so simplistic, you know, and I love, I love anything having to do with people in the blue zones. So. Yeah, I always think the simple things really work the best, actually, because, you know, it, it somehow goes through to your brain a lot easier if it's simple. Yeah. Um, an ikigai. Well, you t explain what you how, what's your view of ikigai and, and what it is. Yeah, my my view is that, you know, when you're trying to find your purpose, if you can look at what your passions are, which may may or may not be things that you're good at, and also look at your skill set, essentially would be willing to pay you for if you're looking to find where your little niche is, it's in the middle of there somewhere. And so it just seems so simplistic, but it's, but it's a little complicated, you know, to get all those things to marry. Yeah. It's like a very complicated Venn diagram. For sure. But I, I just, I love the concept. Final question is what's your one piece of advice to women who are looking to build some confidence? <laughs> um, I was going to say, don't be afraid, but uh, trust yourself and try, just try one new thing because the, the truth is, is, is if you do nothing, you'll go nowhere. I mean, you will go somewhere, but it won't be where you really want to go. So just do one thing and build, you know, gain momentum and confidence in that, in that way. And sometimes it's just so amazing what we feel when we do do just one thing for ourselves, whatever it is. So that would be my, 
if I had to say one thing, that would be it. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for being an amazing guest on Women in Confidence. And yeah, it's been incredible to meet you, Alison. Thank you so much. I mean, I've had a great time. I really appreciate you letting me come on and chat with you. And you have a brilliant job at being on a podcast. So it's definitely something you're good at. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep working on it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 